0: Lots of stories, and the youth are going to be dismissed. At this point, part of the uh, youth ministry age, you guys are free to take off to your to your group. And uh, at this point, we've got so many. Whoops, I'm going to go back. Sorry, uh, we got a ton of ton of ton of stories here, guys. And I just hope that you would can let us know, hear about them. But we are working in the series called His Story. And uh, if you're a guest here this morning, you're kind of in a privileged opportunity today um, to to see kind of what our church is committing to. We've discussed over the last five four weeks, actually, what the vision. Over the next two years is, and so as we 've dove in as we 've kind of unpacked that and we 've challenged ourselves with that thought and with those um, with those ideas, and hopefully uh, inspired us a little bit to uh, to see where God may be taking us, I want to give you guys also the chance to um as a guest to, to listen and to see how our church responds to that. Now, um, so I'm mainly talking to the uh, to the olive branches, so it gives you an option to listen in and see what's going on and make a decision for yourself. But um, this is our, our Commitment Sunday. We are here, guys, today to kind of solidify and finalize this series in his story to tell us where, we're gonna, where we've been saying this is where we're going to try to go, this is where we believe God's taking us, and where we're going to be uh, moving in direction to. Now, in that, uh, you can check out the website um, and go to the obcchistory.com website and you can take a look at all the past uh, sermons and all the different videos and stuff that we've kind of produced in all this. But the bottom line is that we, we really are here to say that God's handed us his story. It's our time to now pass it on. We're going to do that in three different ways. We're going to love his story by celebrating it in service like we saw with the Cassianos and our worship and being in the word of God. We're going to live it out in our world. We're going to live his story by continuing to be discipled and transformed and changed and, and train other people. People up and walking with Jesus Christ, and we're going to share His story by getting it out there and bringing that message to the world, and um, locally and globally, and all that. Also, with this tool of this new building and um, as a training center and a worship center. Now, all of that again is found in one of these notebooks. And so, if you want to review what we've gone through, you want to take a look at all that stuff and some of the and even more. It's all right here in that notebook, and this uh, in this booklet. If you haven't been able to grab one of those, they're still available. Get out to that info counter and grab one so you can be up to date on what we're talking about, and perhaps even say, you know what, I, I am in on this, I'm ready to go. Now, this this is important, and this day is countercultural. and I just want to thank you guys for being here on, on the Commitment Sunday, it's one of those times where honestly, uh, it could easily be, it could be very easy to ditch out, especially since we should all sue the government for taking an hour of our lives, but um, anybody tired still, like, we're going to hand out pillows in the back for anybody that raises their hand. Um, <laughs> And losing an hour of sleep is never is never difficult. And it's a, it's a faith in God that he's going to see us through by putting our commitment Sunday on the one day everybody wakes up and goes, What? I'm going to bed, you know, that's kind of a thing. So I did that this morning, but I still came and I'm glad that you guys are here too. It's not easy getting up when you lose an hour of sleep, but you know, our culture has something in that too. Um, Our culture looks at opportunities like where you lose an hour of sleep and you ask yourself, where can I get that back? How can I get something out of this? Where can I get more out of my day? How can I get more, get more and take more? We live in a land of advertisements all over the place. Just drove down to LA yesterday and came back. How many billboards do we need? How many different advertisements can there be? You watch television, you get ads. When you go on YouTube, you get ads. All these ads are designed for one purpose, to tell us, hey, why don't you go ahead and and, and take some more? Why don't you get some more? And we we can get some more. I I see my children, and honestly, it's kind of inborn in us to want more. We were out there, we were hiking, we were having a great time, and we pull up into a McDonald's, and my my son is immediately, we're basically just to get some water and use the restroom. We've been in the car for a couple hours and one of my sons just goes, so are we going to get ice cream? And it was like, you know, the obvious next step here is that we get some more stuff. Well, we get them ice cream just because we were, they were really good in that car for that long. We go on our hike and while we're hiking, they're, we're coming back, they're like, can we get some more ice cream? You know, I'm bored. Can I have something else? And they're just constantly asking for more and more and more and more and more and more and just not satisfied. Now, I don't knock my kids for being that way because I think that's the human soul right now in our culture. Our culture begs us to get more. And more. I mean, nobody's birthday list is empty, is it? When it comes to your birthday time, you've got a couple of things you could, you want that we could, oh, that would be cool to have. I mean, all of us, when that new gadget comes out in the technology, if you're into that, you're like, that's, oh, I want that. Or that new, you go to, you know, Hobby Lobby on the day that they have your favorite decorations on 50% off and you can't help it, it's on sale. You know, this kind of reality that all of us still want more and more and more. And we're told you can have it, you can have it. And so we begin to get into this. We realize I see something in my children that I need to start seeing in myself. They love to take and take and take so much that they're actually acting extremely selfish. In all these cases, you ever seen that in your kids? They just get selfish. They want so much. You ever seen that in yourself? That that's when the worst of us comes out. And we want what we want, and nobody gets in our way. And this is what I want. And we're a selfish, not selfless, a selfish kind of people. And as that selfishness is, is grown and, and nurtured by a world of consumerism and where we can get more and have more, there needs to be an antidote. And this morning you are going to participate because you're here as a church. We're participating in the antidote. And that antidote is literally the idea of generosity. That generosity is what breaks the backbone of selfishness, because when you give away and you give out, it ceases to enable us just to hold and be all about us. And so as we set out in a great endeavor, I came to realize every great endeavor, guys, that's ever been done is built off of great generosity. And this great generosity that we're, we're going to see today from all of us, I hope inspires us. Because God, in this whole series, is, is the goal has been to show us that God doesn't want generosity from us. It's not that he wants it from us, it's that he wants it for us. There is a healing aspect to generosity. There's a power that comes when we become givers and not takers. In fact, this not wanting it for us comes out in a couple of reasons. Number one, God is an extremely generous God. And I could go on for a long, long time. But if we just start in the concept of God as the Trinity, if you know anything about the Trinity, you know that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed as God forever. They never needed anything. They're not unsatisfied. They weren't bored, and so they created the world. They weren't alone, lonely, and so they said, let's make people so we have something to look at. You know, this wasn't the idea. They weren't devoid of entertainment, so they're not. Staring at us going oh we made you because you're funny You know not that kind of a world God doesn't need anything God actually created because he wanted to Give His love away And so he created humanity and gave us his image so that we're in his image. He gave us, then after we sinned, his son Jesus Christ on the cross to give us forgiveness of sins. He gave us the resurrection of Jesus Christ so that we wouldn't have to fear death and we'd have a life beyond it. He then gave us heaven and he gives us this opportunity to be with him forever. God constantly is giving. He gave us breath, he gave us life, he gives us grace. The gifts never stop with God and they never will all the way through eternity. And I bring up that point because the bottom line is the more generous we become, the more giving we are, the more we image our God who is so generous. And when we see that and we become the kind of people who are a conduit of his grace and a conduit of goodness, we actually begin to see God shaping and changing us much like he is. In fact, I think that's kind of what he's getting to in the book. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 it says this it says have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus Paul is talking to the Philippian church which is giving church and he says guys I want you to keep this mindset this way of life in you and then it goes on verse 6 reads like this who speaking of Jesus though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to grasped but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born of the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now imagine this with me for a minute. Here's Jesus in heaven as God, he has everything. And in order to give us salvation, in order to take care of our sins, he leaves everything. The only thing that he takes in the verse is he takes on a human form and the form of a servant. Literally, the thing he takes is is a servant form so he can give. This God gives so much that he lets go of his wealth and riches of eternity, becomes the giving servant God who then serves us and gives himself even on the cross. This is the kind of gift that he says this is the kind of mindset, the kind of way of thinking, the kind of lifestyle that we are to have as Christians. And so when we talk about generosity, what we're talking about is not how can the church get in pocketbooks or manipulate. No, this is about the idea of us living like Christ. I was blown away because I've, I've been talking to various people throughout this whole series. And one of the conversations I had, um, he leaned across from me at the table we were sitting at and he said, listen, I really believe that giving ought to change the way that you live. That's, that, that when we give, generosity ought to, ought to affect our living. And so he said one of the ways that him and his wife had worked that out was they, were, they basically said, you know, we're going to give up Starbucks. You know, we're going we're to do something else. But they, they calculated it out and they looked at it. And they, were, they were able to sponsor a missionary with the amount of Starbucks they had been drinking. At that time. Now, you don't have to drink a whole lot of Starbucks to know how expensive Starbucks is, do you? And so, but that small life adjustment was a way of them saying, we're willing to let go of something in order to do something greater. That's the kind of thing that generosity does. And that's the kind of thing I'm just excited that we're a part of a church of generosity, like you heard with the Cassianos. You guys are willing to give and share of your lives and your care to other people as you work through this process and as you go through this. Some of us may be nervous. This may be the first time as you're committing today that you've ever given. You're like, I don't know. Is God going to support me? Is this going to fall apart? How is this going to work out? And I want to encourage you with a verse in the book of Malachi. Now Malachi is often used as one of those verses where you pick it up and you say look you got to be tithing you need to be doing this but the tithe in this context is a little different it says in Malachi 3.10 bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house now the tithe in the ancient culture in the, in the Israelite culture was the tax. That was their taxes. You, you paid a tax called the tithe and you brought it in to the temple where you distributed it and then it was used to care for the priests and distribute needs and meet needs amongst the people. And so you sat here with this idea. He, they were jipping God of their tithe. They weren't turning it all in. And so he said, listen, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. He says, listen to me, if you're nervous about giving, if you're nervous about bringing it in, I will be there for you. try, Try me on this one. What's interesting for my life and many others is that I haven't really personally struggled much in the giving side of my life. I, I've struggled in the prayer side of my life, and I've struggled in, in the evangelism side of my life, just to be honest. But the giving side, for some reason, hasn't been difficult. It's part of my family, and it's where I grew up. But I'll tell you, there have been times where you're sitting there, and you're, you turn in your tithe, and you're going, that That hurt. That disappeared, and I I don't know where we're going to be able to, where this is going to be covered, because our emergency fund isn't as strong as it should be. And you're really panicking when you're in the middle of Tucumcari, New Mexico, and your transmission is shot on your van, and you have nowhere to go, and they don't have a transmission store in Tucumcari, and it's going to cost you hundreds of dollars to tow your car from Tucumcari to Albuquerque. And then you're still not sure there's going to be anything there. Because you're in New Mexico, people. This is like, you know what? Tucumcari, if you translate Tucumcari, it means the middle of nowhere. That's how you translate that. We're sitting there broken down in the middle of nowhere. And here we are. You know, we don't have the money to fix all this stuff. And out of nowhere, we've got people suddenly helping us out, caring for us, monetarily providing for us, getting us places. We've got a car guy who's giving us a hand. And suddenly we're just like, this is God's provision. I got a youth, youth pastor who's driving all night, all day to come pick my family up and drive us back. And God just laid out the provision. And I heard stories of people opening their mailboxes and bam, there's the check that they needed and they don't know where it came from. And I've heard of people who have literally gone into situations where they've given and somehow it returned to them like within weeks later, 10 times more. How many of you guys have a story like that? Put your hand up. Now hold your hand up real quick. Everybody look around real quick. That's not a small percentage of people. God is practical in this. He provides. He steps in. He gives and he cares and he meets us there. Now, this isn't always comfortable. This isn't always easy. But God is there and he steps in. And he begins to shape us because he wants us to be givers. He wants us to be conduits of his goodness. Whether that's your education, he wants you to give it away. He wants you to teach. If that's your skill set, he wants you to use it to care for people. If this is finances, he wants you to enable you to give that to care. all these pieces come together as generosity. And radical generosity does not look like always a large amount of money. Can I just be clear? Some of you do not have a large amount of money, and therefore you're telling yourself, I don't have to be radically generous. That's not true. Jesus made this very clear with the widow who comes up and very publicly drops in just two small coins, which was equivalent to not much, but was her entire pay, all she had. And Jesus goes, that woman gave more than anybody here. Because God viewed her generosity as what was most powerful, not the amount. And some of you may have been excluding yourself in all this conversation because you don't really have a whole lot of money. But God is just wanting you to be generous. You may have a whole lot of skills. You may have a whole lot of heart. You may have a whole big brain that's got a lot of information. And God is enabling us to be generous. And so don't just focus in on the finances here this morning. But the generosity that we're going to engage in, in radical generosity is something that we give away. And you know what? This may seem awful. And you may not see the value of generosity at this point. But there is a great joy that comes in great generosity. And the reason I talk about this is my son Nate's a good, a good example of this. Um, we, we, we held a meeting on Tuesday where the leadership and a lot of the volunteers and a lot of people who have, are really deeply engaged with the church, we got together to commit first. We wanted to say leadership first. We're in before everybody else is in. We want to be first. And so they came and they joined into this commitment. At that night, I was explaining to my children, hey, this is what we're going to do. We've got this opportunity to reach people for Christ, to see this new training center built and all this stuff. My son, Nate just got all excited. He's like, this is going to be great. I want to give my money. And we're like, what? He's like, I'm like, what do you want? What do you want? He just had his birthday last week, you know, and um, he had $15 left of his birthday money and he showed up and he brought it with him and he put it in the box because he was so excited to give. Now it's been a few days later and he looked at me and he says, dad, I wish I hadn't done that. Is that and it's true when you give, it doesn't always feel good, it's not immediate, you know, like drop it in and out comes a Ferrari or something. You're like, This is awesome, I'm gonna give some more. That's not how it always works. That there is a joy that comes in great generosity, it doesn't happen immediately. But it can be delayed and it does come. I mean, notice this verse in Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, note that, ooh, what joy is set before him, endured the cross. He was gonna give of himself so that we would be saved and it's for the outcome, the great joy of seeing people saved, of seeing people know his father, that he was willing to despise the shame, go through the pain in order to deliver to us our salvation. And there was a joy attached to it. Deferred joy. Now, how many of us need to learn a little bit about deferred things right now, right? Our culture is so instantaneous, so immediate. And yet we have this opportunity that the joy comes. It may not come immediately. Speaking as a youth pastor, it does not come immediately. If you're doing youth ministry, you train and talk to kids and you work with them and then several years later they're gone. You have no idea where they go, how they're doing, or where they turn up. And you as parents, you at least get to walk with them and agonize with them a little bit longer. But as a youth pastor, you just kinda like, see you later, I'm sorry, I love you, but you're gone. And so it warms me and it's, it's exciting that now, multiple years later, many of the students that were in the youth ministry when I got to be the youth pastor are here. They lead drums. They help lead worship. They're engaged in tech. They're running around getting, they're, they're, they're involved in our leadership team. Some of the youth leaders are on staff now. And to me, that excites me. That's a payment of gener- for the generosity, but it took a long, long time till it ever showed up. And so when I say this, that there's great joy that comes in great generosity, it's not immediate. And I think Jesus told us the same thing. He put it this way in a long section about finances in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. He's meaning, don't store it all away for some rainy day you'll never get to, in the sense that you're you're super rich, but you die, and that's it. You're done. He's saying, no, there's something to do with your with your wealth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys where thieves do not break in and steal where your treasure is there your heart will be also we don't need more plastic that's going to break in a month we don't need more toys for my kids that are going to be crushed within a week he's saying if you invest all your money in these things they vanish but invest in the eternal things because where your treasure is there your heart is when you're invested in one of our missionaries you're going to pray for him when you're invested in what God's doing at the church, you're going to pray for it. You're going to get engaged with the mission. You're going to be on board with it. So he says this, very odd sentence in the middle of this. He goes, the eye of this is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, in you is darkness, how great is that Darkness. And you read this and you're like, what is Jesus doing? Talking about eyeballs all of a sudden. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. And yet, when you start getting into the ancient Hebrew culture, you find out that the eye was an indicator of your greed or your your generosity. When the eye was light, it was their terminology saying, you are a generous person. And when your eye was dark, you were a very greedy person. And so he says, this represents how you'll live. This shows you off. So if the light in you, if your generosity is greedy... Or if your giving is greedy, how dark are, is your greed? And he's just kind of going, guys, pay attention to how you use your finances, where it goes. And then he finally just lays it down the line. He says, no one can serve two masters, for they will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So what we get to do today, guys, is to honestly break, for some of us in this room, an idol. Some of you, it isn't, your finances are an idol. And you have used them for yourself solely and you know that's between you and God and you got to work through that some of you it's not your idol your idol is your private time and how you, who you bring into your home and you're not ready to go evangelize and reach people yet others of us it's that we're, our idol is we're lazy and we just want to get a little bit more sleep than get into the word of God and in prayer that's mine and so we're all in a place where we can be convicted and transformed and changed we cannot serve two masters And so I'm excited you guys are here to be a part of this commitment and a part of this entering in. But before we do this, I want to point out one final thing. Now, I've just kind of laid out all that stuff from scripture and what Jesus says about this stuff, but I want you to hear me. This verse is key. Each one of us in this room must give as you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I want you to see this again. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. I've had, some, I've, had a, I've had a person um, tell me that I'm manipulating you guys with scripture and that I'm lying to you guys with numbers in an effort to manipulate us into a position to do something that we shouldn't do. And this guy's been pretty adamant about that and um, I'm just here to tell you if that's how you feel do not give to this campaign. Don't. If you aren't Able to look at the vision of where we're going And what we want to do And be a part of what we want to do Where you want to engage the valley You want to engage Corona You want to see those stories told Where you want to be a part of what God's doing As we reach out into the valley And we do what I believe is a very great opportunity I'm asking you Asking you don't give In fact I would advise you If you can't be on board with where we're going Go get to a church you can be on board with And you can give to Because that's what the kingdom of God needs olive branch doesn't need all of us to be like, Oh, I don't want the uh," the kingdom needs us to be engaged somewhere in a church that we're excited about. If there's another church you can get excited about and be engaged in and give to because you believe in what they're doing, go be a part of that church for the sake of the kingdom. That church needs you. But if we're not going to be engaged in what God's called us to do, please, please don't take this commitment time as yours. This is for us who are engaged in what God's called us to do, and the opportunity is laid before us that we could go after what God's called us to do. And to be quite honest, I have not intended to manipulate. I've not intended. I've intended to paint a vision that the elders, we, the elders, believe we've received and God has called us to do. We've agonized over this for a year and plus. And this is not me standing alone. I'm the delivery man. I'm encouraging. Yes, I'm ready to go. But this is a decision prayed through by the elders. We're excited to deliver this to you guys. We've been challenged with this. And if we're on this, guys, let's make some difference in this valley. Amen? Amen? So that's where we're at here. And I believe that we need to be cheerful and not under compulsion. That this has to be something you've prayed through, that you've analyzed, that you've looked at, that you've taken that card, and you've prayed through what God's called you to do, and you're being faithful to what God calls you to do. And so if you haven't yet prayed through that, start praying through it. Take time. Think through that. Ask God. If you haven't talked with your spouse yet and done all that stuff, do that. Don't take this lightly. This isn't light. This is huge. God's called us to do something. And so, all right. The nervous, I'm, I'm done, I'm shaking, I'm good. Okay, okay. But the bottom line is, guys, we have a great endeavor we're all on. And all of branch, this is our endeavor that God's called us to over the next two years. Will, will, we, will we do it? Well, that depends on whether we engage, engage and all together get moving. But a great, a great endeavor does require great generosity. And I get it. You know, we've got a lot of endeavors here reaching people for Christ, seeing people disciple, seeing this training facility built. And again, all these pieces come together and I hope that you're a part, I hope you're on board because if you are, I want to show you the picture of what the property could look like. And this may be 13 years from now, guys. This takes a while. This isn't something simple we do overnight. But here's what it looks like. you're going to see is these are the mountains back here and Temescal this is Temescal Canyon Road just give you some orientation that's trilogy back there Covered walkway for when you come in, so it's centralized walkway for safety. You've got a welcome plaza, which is this area right here that we're looking at. Just some ideas of what will be present. So this is the first phase. It ultimately, becomes the multi-purpose fellowship hall, but the first phase engages that building there for the worship, the worship center in the first phase, along with this building which will be the youth church offices and and a few classrooms. That's the future ultimate worship center, the final build out of that. The background, you come around this corner here, and you come into a place where you've got your kitchen right next over here, and that ends up being some kind of coffee shop and this becomes a connection area where we're able to connect people um, who've received christ or to meet for discipleship and things like that Now, so, as you leave that connection area you walk out past the front of the building and you're headed toward the hills and over here are some classrooms and the elevators over there So, this is kind of an area, again, more for people to relax and do paintings and different kinds of stuff for fellowship. We're actually going to install these children on the field. <laughs> Some ideas of how it can be used. The youth have a basketball hoop and a back opening grate that uh, enables them to do worship from the back end of outside because we got California weather. You come down this hallway, this is the worship main worship auditorium these are the classrooms for the children's ministry and the the academy you come out here there's a gate that can be closed and uh, protect our children during the school day along with some hardscape playground area this leads to the the two this is the preschool over here along with the academy kind of becoming one building with the preschool play areas in the back come out of this concourse, allows people to kind of stop, paint, do stuff, reflect. As play areas are engaged again, that's where the little kids will be installed. And uh, these are kind of some of the pictures of the kind of play things we can put there. So, this is the opportunity that we have that's the tool, that's the tool that ultimately in the build out will will enable us to continue forward what we're doing in ministry and again, I want to just remind us that this is about ministry you know um, you know the stuff that we buy. May last you what a few years? Some of your larger pur- purchases may last you maybe your lifetime, like your house. The building that we're going to build, yeah, it can last some generations. But again, the ministry that we do is what lasts for eternity. So I want to encourage you guys to be engaged in that. And as we uh, continue with this commitment to consider even that. Now, all that said, there's how many guys like a good cruise? Anybody ever been on a cruise in here? You love cruises because you you'll know, like cruises because it's like a moving hotel across the water. You get to land somewhere and enjoy. And when you're there I've been told I've never been on one um, that you know everybody's pampering you they're focused on you they're caring for you they're pouring into you and you get food and all this stuff but this isn't a cruise ship this is a battleship and in a battleship sitting everybody has a job everybody has something they're called to do everybody's connected in some way and if any of us act like the lounge act we're going to probably end up calling that person up to get moving And so when we consider this, I want you to consider that we're all in together. And so the way that we're going to show that uh, at this point is with this commitment card right here that we are all on this endeavor together. And again, if you're a part of this, you, you're ready to do this with us, this interior of this commitment card, which is available on the seat if you forgot yours, if yours already filled out, you can take a few minutes and pray over yours, but I'm going to kind of explain it really quickly. So, and This is designed, the way we put this is for somebody who's going from occasional giving to intentional, and again, occasional giving is, hey, you've dropped in a few dollars here and there over the years, and or over the year, and um, now you're ready to go, I'm going to give a, I'm not, I can't do 10% yet, I'm not there yet, i got to get my finances in order to do that, but I'm ready to do like three five somewhere in there so say last year you gave twelve hundred dollars and you realize if you jumped up to three or five it would put you another twelve hundred dollars in so you'd kind of write those in at those levels and then ultimately you would add those together and you get your twenty four hundred dollars and then now this is a two-year initiative not one year so that's a one-year number so you'd multiply that by two and you'd end up with the total amount now, some people had ask, "What's this line about this stored resources?" That's um, that's for everybody who likes to hoard and has a uh, large uh, large apartment complexes with stuff, and then called um, what is that? Catrain, or what are those called? Facilities, storage facilities. There you go, Greg. So, yeah. But no, I'm just kidding. The idea: some of you guys have things that honestly, you know, God's bless you with, but you never use. Maybe it's uh, sitting around like a boat or or an RV or a jet plane, and uh, so. <laughs> And you're like, not using this right now. And maybe God's called you to, to, and most of us are not there. Let's just face the fact. None of us probably have those things. But maybe you've got a Chinette, Chinette set or something that you're like, you know, I could, I could do a garage sale for this stuff. I don't need it in my house. And you know, I would love to give this there. That would be what you would put in this. Like, so this guy, you know, sold his father's urns for $300 or something like that. So, um, you know, bad jokes. But, so anyway, the idea is that, you know, you, that's where you'd put that number. And the number that we really are looking to, to base things off of, is this last line right here, when it's all added together. This is the number that honestly will go into the into the planning for the budget. And so as we look forward to for the next two years, it's that number, that final line, if you have to, you can ignore everything else, but that's the line that would be filled in along with your information. And we've had some pushback, people said, no, no, why do you want my information? Why, Greg, you can come to my house, knock on my door. You know, you're not giving, no, no, that's not the goal here. The goal here is that your information's already inside our system. And so, when you're already known as a, uh, you're, the amount you've given is known inside the system. When they come together to add up the numbers you'd be double counted and suddenly you'd be giving here and then you'd be giving here and suddenly that all lines up and it it would cause us to overestimate where we don't want to overestimate. We want to make sure we come in where we know we're supposed to be. And so the commitments are to say, this is where we're at and this is who I am and this is what, and so we can make sure that we have the commitments down clearly so that the volunteers and the elders and those who are, and the staff members who put the budget together can do it rightly over these next two years. So all of that is there for those purposes. Now, some of you guys are, are at that tithing percentage level and so we, we're, we're, call, we're asked to let you guys know that on the back is a gradiated chart that if we were to give all these different levels we would hit that six million and that's how it would divide up and so some of you may actually literally, somebody in this room could be at that ability to give that $500,000 over two years and that's a huge ask but that doesn't mean you're any less valuable than somebody who can give a thousand bucks at forty-two a monthly gift of $42 dollars that's, that may be generous giving for you. Praise God. That's where you're at. That, that should never be knocked. And so on, the point here is that all of us have somewhere we can fit. All of us here have somewhere we can step into. So I want to encourage you guys to pray through that. Now, some of you have your cards filled out. You're ready to go. What do you do with that? Take a minute, dedicate it by praying over it. And then over here on either side, you see the laser light here. We've got uh, underneath the two crosses, we have the baskets that you'll take that up to. And it's a symbol. We want to lay our giving at the feet of the God who gave us, gave to us. You don't need to come to the center. But what's the center box for? This center box is here because you know what? We've encouraged people to have, some people have taken home a page and to write a prayer of how they want God to use them, their family, or Olive Branch in these next two years. And if you haven't had a chance to do that, we want to invite you to do that. You can grab one of these pages, fill it out, and put it in this box. Either this box or one like it's going to wind up. We're going to put it under the foundation, not in it, but under the foundation of the church somehow so that when we build this church, it's on our prayers and that they sit as a memorial before God. And I, and I do believe he, he sees and reads those things. And so I want to encourage you guys to take an opportunity to do that. One of these things, either come grab one of those papers, bring it to us. We'll put it in that box. We'll get it in there. But otherwise, take a few minutes. Pray over that. If you have your commitment made, you know what it is, put it in there. Now, I have one more piece to say. And this is more of to, to kind of stoke your competitive spirit a little bit. But um, we're told that in the United States right now, these, when commitment card Sunday comes out, um, really, honestly, churches don't turn in commitment cards. People don't do it. And and they say it's because our culture is non-committal. They're just not willing to to, to commit. They're not willing to commit at work. They're not willing to commit. I just don't believe that about us. And so let's blow away the guys who have been helping us out that they're like, yeah, I don't expect a lot. I, I would love to see us participate. You know, if no matter how small that amount is that you'd be like, yeah, I'm in. You're like, but what if I don't reach that commitment? Look, everybody in this room might not reach their commitment. We don't know the future. And God's not a legalistic. God is going to knock you because you weren't able to make it. This is an opportunity for us just to say, this is what you think God is calling you to do. And let's do this together. And so Elise is going to play. So there's some sound in the room and give you an opportunity. Not a fanfare, nothing else. But as soon as you've prayed over your commitment card, bring it up and place it in one of those, one of those baskets under the crosses there. It's an opportunity for you to be a part of what we're doing. You know, as I, I realized, some of you guys are still processing, you're filling out cards, you're praying through things, and uh, there's no reason that during the last song here that you guys can't, or even after service if you want, you're like, I'm not walking up in front of people, that's fine, I get that. Um, thank you. And I want to pray over these commitments that were made uh, first service, this service, that will be made the rest of the services today, and that were made back on Tuesday. And I'm going to ask that you join with me, that God would bless them and bless these prayers. Would you join with me? Bow your heads. Father, we come before you, and you are the God who sees our hearts. You are the God who knows the callings that you've laid upon each of us. God, you know the future, and you know what you've, uh, you've asked of us at Olive Branch, and we step out in faith. And, Lord, we, this is where you have to step in to work. And so we ask that you would see our commitments, Lord, and that some of us have stretched. Others of us have um, just, we've come in and we're doing exactly what we can. God, I pray blessings over those people. I pray that you would just allow our commitments to land and that, God, you'd see even mine and that you would enable them all to come in rightfully. And that, God, you would be exalted in these things. And, Lord, for those in this room right now who, who don't have work today and, and, and are just would love to commit but they can't at this time, I pray you'd bless them with a job soon. And I pray, pray that you would empower them to, to, to help their finances get right so that when it's time for them, they're, they're able to join in and be a part of it. God, that you would use our talents and our skills, that you would use all the pieces of who we are, that we would see people know you, God. That's the point, that people would know you and that you would be glorified and that we would understand you and we'd be discipled in you and that we'd be after you with everything in us. God, help us to do that. Help us to do that. Lord, see these prayers that we'll lay in this box. Let them be before you and let them be uh, ever present in your mind that you would remember our prayers and at the right times, you'd answer them clearly and effectively. God, see the names on our cards of the people that we're praying for and enable us to reach them. And God, in all these things, that you would be exalted. Thank you, Jesus, for giving to us what you have. Thank you, Father, for giving us what you have. Thank you, Spirit, for giving us yourself. And we ask that you would enable us to continue to give from your abundance. In Jesus' name, amen.